Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. The latest forecasts estimate that British energy bills could hit as much as £5,000 a year in January. Boris Johnson has admitted that his current package doesn't go anywhere near enough, a sentiment that was then echoed by Jennifer Arcuri's vagina. The author, Salman Rushdie, is stabbed in the neck on stage at an event in New York, as Islamic extremists attempt to reclaim their crown as the true pioneers of cancel culture. The home of former President Donald Trump is searched by the FBI, who were reportedly tipped off by someone very close to him. So definitely not Tiffany or Eric. And finally, people around the world enjoy the sight of the final supermoon of 2022. It's a rare spectacle known as the Sturgeon Moon, when the heavenly body gets close enough to Earth to tell Boris Johnson that he's a shifty wee prick and it wants a second independence referendum. and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, this is IC News, and unlike our government, we only go missing for a week or so at most. That's right, it's time to have a lovely summertime ogle of the fleshy mantits of our news, as we're back with the glorious dad bod midsection of season 8. Or at least we will be until the lecky bill comes in, and then I might have to sell a kidney or just fall crying to the floor in a state of hopeless despair for the future. As the southeast of England and the entire economy goes up in flames, you might be forgiven for wondering just what our government is currently doing about any of it. And the short answer, unfortunately, is not much. Parliament is still in recess, and it appears that the whole point of Boris Johnson staying on until September was purely to carry on picking up his paycheck for as long as humanly possible. In opposition, the Labour Party seem to have quietly re-elected Gordon Brown as their leader, with consumer rights advocate Martin Lewis stepping up as Shadow Chancellor, both of whom have been far more vocal this week than Keir Starmer about the desperate need to get an actual grip on the exploding cost-of-living crisis. The latest energy bill forecasts for British households are truly terrifying, with millions of people now facing the distinct possibility of abject poverty. As a Margaret Thatcher sex robot that Jacob Rees-Mogg built in his garage with nothing more than a Nokia 3210 and an old Hoover bag, Tory leadership frontrunner Liz Truss hasn't exactly been offering many solutions either. Despite insisting in the televised debates that she'd be more than happy to work together with Rishi Sunak in government, she's not willing to work with him right now. She's instead insisted that any package of support will have to wait until the leadership contest ends in September. Don't worry though, she's also reassured the state pensioners who are soon about to lose half of their annual income to the act of putting their kettle on, by telling us all that energy profits aren't evil. So just try and remember that the next time you're freezing to death and eating cold oxtail soup out of a tin, you ungrateful geriatrics. 
Yes, the CEO at BP might be hoovering cocaine out of a supermodel's asshole on the deck of a super yacht docked in Monaco just as your left foot falls off due to frostbite, but making it affordable for you to turn the thermostat up a degree or two sends the wrong message about investment. So shut up and stop moaning already. Unlike Liz Truss, here at IC News we're determined to hold the energy giants to account, and nobody's better at dishing out a little equilibrium than our demonic correspondent Red Redmond. Have you ever felt haunted by a sinister hovering presence that looms over your every waking moment? Does every decision you make in your day-to-day life, from which appliances you turn on, to what you pick off the shelf during your weekly shop, now fill you with dread? Does the simple sight of the online banking app on your phone cause the hairs on the back of your neck to rise, at the thought of how the overbearing monster sitting in the pit of your gut might react if you open it? Are you living in constant fear of the nagging terrors eating away at your soul? Of course you are, because Offgem have just decided that the energy price cap should change every three months, and a crushing sense of overwhelming doom is now just the national mood. You know, I can't help but feel that quite a lot of that was passive-aggressive and aimed at me. No. Really? I've no idea what you're talking about, Alan. You can be a real bitch sometimes, you know that. And you're an unwelcome parasite of a shadow demon, slowly leeching away from my physical health and the very essence of my soul. I guess we all have our crosses to bear. Indeed we do, Red. And those crosses have become distinctively heavier for all of us this week, thanks to the terrifying projection that come January, the average household energy bill here in the UK could rise as high as £350 a month. Is that a lot? I don't really understand human currency. Yes, Alan. It's a lot. If bills rise as projected, a third of all British households could be living in fuel poverty by January, and that's without even factoring in the knock-on effects to the economy. No disposable income for millions of people means millions of people not spending anything in our businesses. Those businesses will see falling profits and at the same time will be hammered harder by rising energy prices as they don't even benefit from the price cap. Unless something is done to bring prices down, we are facing a truly brutal downward spiral into a recession that will cause untold hardship and misery for millions. <laughs> you meatbags never cease to amaze me. I used to think that slicing open a man's body from anus to navel before pulling out his intestines and bouncing them up and down like a yo-yo was the best technique for torturing someone. But the more I learn about this economy of yours the more jealous I get that we shadow demons didn't think of it first. You're not wrong, Alan. It's quite something. I mean, seriously, just think about it. You've got energy companies proudly declaring their booming profits and massive shareholder payouts. And at the same time, pensioners are being told half their annual income will be going on bills. (laughs) It's beautiful. Really? Really inspiring. You're a horrifying bastard sometimes, Alan. (laughs) You're telling me. But even I've got nothing on this cunt. Sorry, was was that about me? Are we we starting this interview? My apologies, Mr. Roffertier. For the benefits of our listeners, this is Percival, and he's a chief executive at Shell. Shell have just declared record profits of nearly £10 million for this quarter and have promised to hand out shareholder dividends worth £6.5 billion. Oh, 
Okay, that is true, but I think it's important to temper those figures with the realities energy companies are facing. We're just as subject to fluctuating wholesale costs as the consumer, you know, and what Ofgem are doing now by changing the price cap quarterly rather than biannually, it will help us to pass on those savings faster to consumers when prices eventually do come down. Except what's actually happened is that they've announced the change in the run-up to winter, and now households are facing yet another rise in January, rather than being protected through the most expensive months of the year. Um, yes, but what you have to understand is that the off-gem decision is completely independent of our end of things. And you just happen to stand to make even bigger profits from their decision. Profits which will then be reinvested in green technologies and modernising the mark. No, sorry, even I can't keep a straight face saying that. Profits which will go straight back to shareholders. Well, I guess that just leaves the big question then, doesn't it? Oh, uh, what, what's that? Am I starting with your belly button or your asshole? I'm sorry, I, I don't quite understand. Asshole, it is then. Oh my! Oh no! Oh, would you look at that? Around the world, and he's walking the dog. Yeah. Oh, bollocks, his entrails have snapped. Just as I was getting a combo going. I did wonder why you insisted on doing this interview on a rooftop terrace. Well, you need space to get a proper swing in, Red. Clearly. Still, at least there's one less corporate stakeholder to bleed the country dry this winter. I didn't even get to eat him! I'm sure we'll be able to pick up something in the lift on the way down, Alan. For now, though... We are Red Redmond. Reporting for IC News. Of course, the really funny thing about that report is that Red recorded it at the start of the week, and in the space of just a few days, we're now looking at bills that hit nearer £420 a month. Sorry, did I say funny? I meant screamingly unjust and horrifying. Speaking of screaming about injustice like a giant orange baby, it's been a particularly exciting week in American politics. On Monday, the former President Donald Trump revealed to all six people on his social media app Truth Social that the FBI had conducted an unannounced raid at his Florida estate, the golf resort of Mar-a-Lago. Agents reportedly left the property with several boxes filled with documents, and the unsealed warrant has now revealed that Trump is under investigation under the Espionage Act. Here's Tom King with more. Unprecedented. It's a word that feels massively overused over the last few years. Remember the X Factor voice about 15 years ago? It was on every radio advert going, from second-hand cars to incontinence knickers. Well, as a concept, unprecedented is starting to feel equally as annoying. Just about everything has been unprecedented recently, from Brexit and the pandemic to the Black Lives Matter protests, through rampant inflation and energy price rises, and right up to the war in Ukraine. We are truly living in a momentous period of giddying upheaval, and if you're anything like me, at this point you'll be fucking clamouring for things to settle down a bit. 
Oh, I'd love me a nice bit of precedented. In fact, I'm positively craving beige paint, vanilla pudding and some good old-fashioned missionary position right now. And not the cheeky three years married, slightly drunk on a Friday night sort of missionary where there's a small chance she'll get overexcited and pop a surprise thumb in your arse. I'm talking about the 20 years in, Sunday afternoon because you have to sort of missionary where you don't even take your socks off. And she spends all four minutes of it still listening to the archers. But no such luck. It's 2022 and the hits keep coming. This week, in the form of the first ever FBI raid on the home of a former president. Now, if it all plays out fully and results in a conviction, it's a story that could test the boundaries of America's checks and balances on the executive branch and see Donald Trump barred from running for office ever again. So we're talking about an unprecedented raid on a former president, which could set a potentially unprecedented precedent for unprecedenting all presidents in the future. Just try and keep up, will you? Now, of course, as a journalist, it's not for me to speculate as to Donald Trump's almost inevitable guilt, but there's no getting away from one simple fact. When we all heard that Mar a Lago had been raided, the first question anyone asked was, what for? And here's the rub. We didn't ask that question because we couldn't believe it was happening. We asked it because we genuinely didn't know which one of Trump's many legal troubles it was about. Was this raid over his complicity in the Capitol riot or his wider efforts to have the results of the 2020 election thrown out? Or was it related to his financial affairs or the historical allegations of sexual misconduct? Trump has always been sort of a Schrodinger's criminal perpetually in trouble for something, but never actually getting punished for any of it. The response from Trump loyalists in the Republican Party to this raid has been furious, as they've predictably accused the Biden administration of weaponising the Justice Department against them from the shadows. Biden, for his part, insists that the proper separation between government and law enforcement has been maintained throughout, and he didn't even know about the raid. Although, to be fair to Biden, he doesn't exactly sound like he can remember what he had for breakfast these days, let alone what he's been briefed on by the FBI that morning. In the end, it turned out that this raid was related to Trump's handling of presidential records, classified documents relating to his tenure in charge, which the rules dictate he was obliged to turn over to the authorities when he once again became a private citizen, which, ultimately, is what makes all of this particular particularly extraordinary. The FBI haven't kicked in the doors of his gaudy golf club because of the potentially seditious conspiracy he oversaw or because of anything the January 6th committee or the prosecutors in New York have unearthed. They did it because Trump has basically pissed off a bunch of White House librarians by removing and failing to preserve official documents relating to his time in power. If this feels unnervingly familiar to you, it's because, yes, this is the exact same charge Trump continually levelled at Hillary Clinton over her emails. It's like every accusation he throws out is a form of projection. At this point, we're only a couple of days off finding out Trump was actually born in Kenya and that he personally directed the terrorists to attack the American embassy in Benghazi. In rather predictable fashion, Trump has attempted to discredit the entire Bureau, calling into question their motives and labelling the whole affair a witch hunt. He's even gone so far as to accuse agents of planting evidence, which is where this gets really fucking interesting. 
Now, according to the Washington Post and several other US news outlets, the FBI were looking for highly classified nuclear documents. Nuclear documents, which under the Atomic Act are about the only documents Trump would have had no legal right as president to declassify himself. In short, they would be the one thing he would have absolutely no justification or excuse for possessing. We now know that the FBI removed 11 sets of records from Mar-a-Lago and four of them were marked top secret. It's no exaggeration to say that if said nuclear information is among these documents, we are potentially talking about the biggest political scandal in American history. That Trump is already suggesting the FBI planted evidence indicates he knows he's in real trouble. If it's for nuclear treason... We are in for one hell of a ride. The absolute cherry on the cake of all this is that for all of his protests about the overreach of the deep state, these charges are still potentially serious, even if the nuclear issue turns out to be a big fat nothing burger. That's because of one man. And that man... Sorry. I've gone all Colleen Rooney. That man is Donald Trump, who personally raised the legal penalties for removing and failing to preserve these sorts of documents to a felony offence. It was all part of his performance to demonstrate just how seriously he took the charges that failed to stick to Clinton. Now, if it all backfires as spectacularly as it's looking, it might, and that decision is the one that rules Trump out of running for president again, it'll be the greatest single hoisting by one's own petard that American politics has ever seen. I wouldn't hold your breath, though. Our multiverse is one of endless possibilities, but it's been years now, and it's really starting to feel like Earth Prime just isn't the place where Donald Trump faces any consequences whatsoever. I'm Tom King, really looking forward to the Second Great American Civil War, reporting for IC News. The cost of living crisis is going to be the single biggest issue in the in-tray of our new Prime Minister come September. But if the campaign trail has been anything to go by, it really doesn't seem to be that much of a priority for either of the candidates. As they attempt to woo Tory members over to their side, they've instead been flailing at all the hot-button topics they think can win them a few votes. And it's been, well, let's just very charitably say enlightening. It's painfully clear that Liz Truss is determined to be the ornamental cat riding around on the room bar of the Tory right, steered in just about any direction the ERG want her to go. Rishi Sunak, on the other hand, has been left playing catch-up, and in doing so, the candidate who insisted he isn't interested in the culture wars has been stoking them ferociously and making a truly nauseating little twat of himself in the process. Nobody respects an undignified public spectacle more than our Conservative correspondent, the nauseatingly deferential Sebastian Forlock. Come one, come all, and place your bets. The contest is well and truly on, and all is still to play for. The great conservative leadership race of 2022 is rushing onwards at a breakneck pace, and soon 
Britain, the curtain will rise and your new saviour will be revealed. <laughs> Tis time, then, to reflect on where we stand and assess the progress of our underdog. He's far from down and out yet, for Rishi Sunak is now a desperate man, and all the best policies are always born out of total desperation. <laughs> what fun it's been, dear listeners. For a true blue Tory and soggy little humiliation fetishist, my beloved party's race to rock bottom has been positively enthusing my phallus with vigour of late. <laughs> Away from the glare of national television, the hustings have continued apace, and while it may seem to the untrained eye that Liz Truss is set for victory, one must never count out the opposition. I find nothing more endearing than a pathetic little man willing to embarrass himself in public, and let me tell you, in that regard, Rishi Sunak has been soaring in my estimations recently— I mean, did you see the campaign advert he put out last week? <laughs> Where you never actually saw his face, but he rolled up his sleeves and fed EU legislation into a shredder like a sort of secretarial Dr. Claw. <laughs> oh, it was divine. I cringed so hard I fired a butt plug through the seat of my trousers. <laughs> In fact, the whole contest has now descended into such a farcical display of right-wing pandering that it's practically impossible to say who's embarrassing me more. And I love it. From Truss threatening the unions and climate protesters to Rishi insisting the left are trying to cancel our women, it's just superb. Particularly when you look at the polling and realise that, generally, the British public don't care that much about any of it. They actually want better wages and direct action on the cost of living crisis, far more than any worthless talk of tax cuts that won't touch the sides. It takes real skill to bring a man to climax when you're completely out of touch with his actual penis. I'll tell you now for nothing, dear listeners. Sunak and Truss are edging me closer every single day. They're blundering on, hopelessly air-mashing at the limp dicks of a few thousand geriatric Tory members, proving themselves with each desperate pledge to have no idea how to appeal to the majority of the electorate. And the truly glorious thing about all of it? Labour are barely reacting, meaning that the lunacy can only escalate in the vacuum they've allowed this contest to create. Pretty soon, Sunak and Truss will be trying to outcompete each other with pledges to fire transgender migrants directly into the sun. And at that point, I'm going to come so hard I could blind a Labrador from halfway across the room. <laughs> Oh, the pure, glorious humiliation of poor Rishi's desperate flailing. It feeds me. It completes me. A man so convinced he was the anointed one, now swiping for any desperate culture war thread he can tug. 
all in a feeble attempt to win over a base that will always hate him for betraying Boris Johnson. It's never a good idea for a tiny little chap like him to go off the deep end quite so spectacularly, particularly when it's now become painfully apparent that he hasn't got a clue how to swim. Even when the only other person in the pool is Liz Truss, a woman who needs an aid at the water's edge to constantly remind her that she can't breathe underwater. Is there anything the poor man can say to turn his fortunes around? Probably not, but bless him, he's going to try. And my God, is it going to be desperate and humiliating. Keep Brexit safe. I mean, wow. Honestly, I can think of few things more painful, which, of course, I then simply have to try out. <laughs> so I suppose congratulations are in order, Mr. Sunak. You've successfully inspired this Tory and his member, at least. <laughs> this is a bit daunting, even for little old moi. But uh, fortune favours the bold, dear listeners. Which is precisely why dear Rishi Sunak is now jettisoning his dignity with such willful abandon. And if he can drop the ballast quite so spectacularly, then damn it, so can I. I'm Sebastian Forlock, naked from the waist down, about to lower his testicles into the former Chancellor's Brexit shredder, reporting for IC News. Oh my. Crikey. Come on, Sebby Seb, you can do this. Just take the plunge, dear boy. But salvum Brexit, as Rhys Moggingtons would say. Oh, 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 the Oh dear, I hope he at least remembered to take the staples out first. Sebastian's report brings us to the end of our broadcast. As always, we'll be back with a new episode at 8am next Sunday, but until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Children in London are to be offered emergency polio vaccines after the virus is detected in the city's sewers. Polio causes severe and debilitating paralysis, so it's likely the outbreak originated in the House of Commons. Doctors warn that an unwillingness to discuss anal sex may be harming women's health and that more should be done to open brown eyes to the potential risks. Drought is officially declared across large parts of England, as the country suffers the longest dry spell since Ben Shapiro's marriage. And finally, what's black and white and red all over? Edinburgh Zoo's oldest penguin, which has been killed in a fox attack. You've been listening to Icy News. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of me van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. 
Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though. This deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger me. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.